Yeah, it's a, such a joy to be here, to be back after a while. And uh, I, I got to tell you, I really love Foothills and everyone here. You guys are amazing. Uh, you know how to love. You know how to really care for uh, your missionaries. So uh, it was uh, a joy for me, uh, a coincidence, but for the Lord, it was part of his plan. The way we connected was, it was unexpected. I wasn't even supposed to be in a meeting that uh, our organization was having a briefing, a fundraising briefing in Westlake, I think, and it was back in 2011. And, and uh, I, was, I was one of the speakers, so I, there was people from here. So the next Sunday, I think, I came, and that was the first time. Uh, I got connected and back. I was the national director of uh, Camps Crusade in Ethiopia at that time. And by the way, Hermes used to be part of my leadership team. So we, were, we, we have history way, way back in like 26 years. Can you believe it working? Uh, in, 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 for, it looks like 10 years, but it's 26 years on staff as full-time staff with Camps Crusade. Just the Lord is so good. He's so good. Uh, the topic of this, uh, uh, my sermon today, it says, stand your ground. And uh, stand your ground, and when I choose those, that topic, I, I have, uh, I wrestled. I tried to make it, uh, hey, put, up, uh, put on your armor, the whole armor of God, I wanted to make it that, and, but it just doesn't. And then I was like, the Lord keep just pushing that. And then finally, it settled. It was settled. Stand your ground. And I'm going to speak about it. And why uh, did I say, uh, uh, you know, why, why am I speaking on that? But uh, just for a context, to give you context on the, from the reading uh, in Exodus chapter 14. If you don't understand the context of God speaking, what was he saying, the, the Israelites? Why was he telling them, don't be afraid, uh, stand firm? Uh, you will see the deliverance that the Lord or the salvation that the Lord is going to give you. The Egyptian you fear today that you see them, you will see them no more. The reason? Because I will fight for you. He was saying that, but there is a, a backdrop story. You see, the Israelites were living with boldness from Egypt. There is a parallel for us. You will see it as we pro pro progress in, our, in, our, in, my, in, my, in my preaching. The Israelites ju just left Egypt. It wasn't long ago. It's a young nation. It's an infant nation. They, are, they just left Egypt, that oppressive, bad, bad, bad place. It wasn't, they were not there for 10 years. They were there for over 400 years. I mean, it's a, lot, a long time, right? But finally, the redemption came. They left. The Bible says in the, in the previous chapter, they left with boldness, it says. Okay? They left with boldness. Why? They have seen God's hand, 10 plagues, and Pharaoh gave in. Finally, they gave up and said, go. So they were living. Scholars say the number of people that left were, you know, including children and, and, and women and everybody, 
there were over at, at least around between two and three million people. Okay? That's all, that's, imagine that many people living. And the place they were living was not that hostile. It wasn't a green, green area. So they were, they were living. But Moses, as their leader, he was taking them through the shortest possible path through the north route towards the Philistine, across the Philistinian uh, land. He was planning to take them that way. It would have been as very short. It could have taken maybe four weeks to get to the promised land. Okay, but before they get to the Philistinian land, the land of Palestine, the Lord told Moses, no, 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 turn around, go to the longer route, go to the desert. Does that make sense to you? Go to the desert. The route God chose for them takes to get to Palestine, they said it takes a good um, three months. No, three years. Sorry, I say three months. Why would a loving God would ask his people to turn around and take the longer and the more hostile desert when he's leading them to the promised land? They left, and what happened was they got, and he speci- gave specific direction to Moses. He told him, take him to Pi, it's, it's called Pi Heroes, Migdol, that, those areas it's mentioned there. And they went, and he told him, come before the Red Sea. If you see the geography where they were told to camp, it was from the south. There was mountain from the, from the north, mountain from the, in front of them is the Red Sea. It was literally, a, God was designing a trap. It looks like God himself was designing a trap for his people. That's how it sounded like. But the word reached to Pharaoh. And he heard that the Israelites are wandering, confused. They don't know what they're doing. They're just wandering everywhere. And he's like... I'm going to go get him. I'm going to go get him. Pharaoh, with all his army, he marched towards them. And guess what? He overtook them by the sea. And then the Israelites, they look up, and here we go. The Israel, the, the, that, 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 that army that they hit, that army that they were afraid, that army that oppressed them is approaching to enslave them again. They were frightened. Wouldn't you be frightened if you are in that situation? The only way out was to go west, and that place is blocked. Have you, have you been? They felt trapped. They can't go to the west because uh, Egyptian's army is there to kill them. They can't go f- forward. It's the Red Sea. They can't go to the north, to the south because it's a mountain. They can't go to the north. It's a mountain. They are literally trapped. It is in that context that they were crying. Don't they have reason to cry, to be honest? You wouldn't, you wouldn't, why would God 
do that? Why would God do that? Do you feel that all around you, you look to the right, to the left, you feel trapped? Do you feel that your situation, like in a way that you feel like there is no way out? The only thing I can do is look up. Oh, that's the best choice, brothers and sisters. Israel was trapped. All their earthly uh, salvation was gone. But you know what? There was one thing that cannot, could not be closed. And that is looking up. In the moment of your greatest need, what do you do? Where do you turn? In the moment of desperation that requires radical dependence to God, what do you do? People of God, the church is present in every way from every direction these days. The church that carries the truth of the gospel is completely, it feels like, humanly speaking, it is encircled in every way. You go media, it's hostile. You go this, it's hostile. It's school, you go that. In every way, don't you feel like you're just, we are being squeezed? But you know what? Heaven is still always open. Nobody can close it. Why did Jesus do this? I mean, why did God do that for Israel? Two reasons. One, he wanted to train them how to trust God. It was in a young nation that requires what it means to trust the Lord. Two, he wanted to train them the kind of battle they want to fight, they want to engage, because they just started. They haven't even fought the real battle yet, physical battle. So he wanted to train them how to do battle. But Israel looked up, looked up. And when they saw, they were frightened. It was, I got to tell you, it was a God-designed incident so that what the, the Israelites told they were trapped, actually it ended up trapping their enemy so that they would not see them again. It looks like God's plan is a, set, a, a, a setback. Does it look, doesn't it look like a setback? But it was a setup for their success. I'm going to repeat this. Sometimes what happened in our life, it looks like we have been set up for failure. We have been set up for danger, disaster. But what we don't know is our God set us up for success, Amen. for victory. The way he, he, he handled our enemy is not the way a human being can design. And I will tell you a story. These days, most mission agencies go to uh, what's left already is the hardest place to go. Okay? The gospel is going. The remaining part of the, the world that's not reached is the hardest. 
So when you go, you know you are in real spiritual battle. So one of the, the things we did was we went to this pygmies. We, our, our staff in Cameroon, they went to pygmy, the pygmy area. So their government itself, they don't have any jurisdiction over them. But these are God's people. They need to be reached by the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? So we send our Jesus film church planters from our office in Cameroon. There was a church planter among those people who had been working for two years without any fruit. Not even one convert. Not, not, you don't even think about church, but not even one convert. He heard about the Jesus film being translated in their language, so he approached our office, so our office sent people with him to show the, the, to, to, to show the film. When they approached to the pygmy, I mean, yeah, literally what happened was uh, after they drive, it was a mud road, then they had to carry the projector for three hours. Three hours, as the staff member tells me, looked uh, like eternity. When they get to the village, the man whom they met, the first person they met was uh, a 16-year-old religious and social leader for the people. He was literally an, uh, a priest for the idol. They worship idol, okay? So he asked them, why are you here? And he told, they told him, well, we come here. We're going to show you, you about the king of kings, the creator of heaven and earth. So we are bringing his love letter to you so you can hear and you can get to know him. And the guy looked at them and said, huh, we have our own gods. If your God is stronger, I'll give you three days. If you survive in three days, then we can talk after three days. How do you like that kind of conversation? <laughs> so there is no real house, so it is just, uh, you know, little huts there. So they stayed. During the night, all kind of noises. Oh, I mean, something that if I tell you, you wouldn't even believe because it would look so strange. But the truth they survived the first night. The second night was worse. He came in the morning, so you're still here? You want to keep going? And they said, yeah, we are going to keep going. The next, that day, <laughs> I will tell you, what, the only one, they will see, and it was actually those, like, literally flooding, uh, rain that could be a flood, uh, that, 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 and, the, and within that uh, the rain, the cloud, they could see trees walking. Towards them, it looked like it's coming close to their, their tent, but they will not, but they go back, and, but they see them, like, moving. The next day was worse. But they kept praying, fasting and praying, worshiping as loud as it can get. There were only like five of them. As loud as it can get, they can start worshiping the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You are holy. You are mighty. You are our God. You are great. You are our great God. And they keep worshiping the Lord. They keep worshiping every single hour. The third day, the, the idols were desperate. So when they get into a desperate situation, what they do, they, there is an altar is everywhere. The, what they do is they do human sacrificing. So they were doing human sacrificing. They took a baby, and they were about to put the baby on their altar. When they were about to do it, 
Something happened that scared them. They could not perform their ritual. So what happened? They left. The baby, the baby, they left the baby on the altar. A four-month-old baby. And then our, our staff, they heard this cry. The baby is crying loud, and they like, is it? So they, they got up, they started following the direction where the voice of that baby is coming. When they got to the place, there was an altar where a, 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 a sign of I mean, bones of animals and uh, pictures of like uh, crocodile and other things, bat, and it was there. And the baby was still on the altar, tied and crying. They took the baby, went to their, their, their altar, I mean, went to their, their tent. Later they found out their mom, the baby was snatched from her, her hand. You can't say no. That was the turning point. That was the last thing they could go do and nothing worked. And our God ran and everyone in the village, they heard the noise, the, the, the situation. They came. They showed that Jesus to me. Guess what? 79 of them came to know the Lord that day. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, no matter how hard things are, I want to tell you our God is a great God. All what He wants you is to trust Him and to trust Him to have a surrendered life. Trusting him for the impossible. God, why the reason why he led the Israelites in the long way and brought them to this point where they were trapped was because he wanted to show them that he is a God that controls nature. Not only Pharaoh, but he controls nature. The river obeys our God. Red Sea obeys our God. But the greatest thing he wants from his people that he cannot, that, that requires our will to follow him. When the Israelites see the, 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 um, the, the Egyptian, they were terrified. But I want to tell you, fear and faith does not live together in the same heart. I'll, I'll repeat it. Fear and faith in God cannot coexist in the same heart. If you trust God, fear disappears. That's why Moses, Moses is telling them, don't be afraid. Are you kidding me? Don't be afraid. They are coming to take my life. For them, when they saw the Egyptian, it was like seeing death himself. They saw their grave already opened. That's why I say, why would you bring us to here where our children are going to die? Wasn't there any grave in Egypt? Why did you bring us here? No, God didn't bring them here to kill them. God brought them here to show them his greatness. Brothers and sisters living in California. I live in Florida. So there's a big difference between where I live and where you live. No matter how things get tough, I want to tell you, nothing is impossible for your God. Amen. He makes the way where there seems to be no way. 
But what he wants you to know is he he wants you to experience radical dependence on God. Radical dependence on God. Even if I see the Egyptian army coming and closing, even if this mountain won't land, even if there is red here, my Lord, my God is above all this. He reigns in the heavens. He changed nature. Yes, God does not always work in the way that seems best and logical to us. But our God is a miracle-working God. I'll repeat again. The Lord set them up for success. He did not set them up for failure. The interesting thing is fear has this nature of erasing our memory of God's greatness in our life. Yes, fear has this power to erase memories of God's act of intervention that we experience in our daily life. If I ask you, every one of you, you can... You can pinpoint and say, God has done this in my life, this, this, this. But when something terrible or hard happened, all those memories are gone. Israelites, they saw ten plagues. But now, this guy came with his army, they were terrified. If you see in our New Testament, God honors those who believe Him. Those who believe Him honors God. Therefore, faith, believing in God, I'm not talking about faith where people are using, you know, the claim and the claim it and whatever theology. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about believing God himself for what he can do. Because of that, the Lord told him a strategy. You're afraid. Yes. Moses said, you're afraid. But I want to tell you, stand still. Be still. Be calm. Stand firm. Whatever you see today, it's going to be the last time you're going to see them. Is it possible to be still and know that God is God in the midst of all that? But he said, Satan is an artist of panic. He wants to create panic in your life so that you don't pause and be still and know your God, who he is, who you are, who you belong to. You belong to God. He fights for you. But Satan, you know what he does? He creates chaos so that you don't focus. The solution for that is the Lord said in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. That's where the main thing is. And he's called us, make the main thing the main thing. 
It's not how much things you do what matters. It's who you depend. It's who you trust. Sometimes we see people and people become big. When people become big, everything you would be afraid of everything. But when you see God and God is big and people are not, then nothing, you're not afraid of anything. And I'll tell you a story of a woman who was trained to be a suicide bomber. I'm, uh, you know, some of the things I tell you, they're, they're crazy. But please believe me, I'm not telling you a lie, okay? <laughs> she was trained to be a suicide bomber by, you know, there's a terrorist group in Nigeria and Cameroon and Niger, Boko Haram. The day before she was supposed to do that, the Lord revealed himself in a dream to her and said, I am Isa al-Masi, follow me. I am Jesus, follow me. She woke up and she knew and she knew, and that is Isa al-Masi, that is Jesus. But she, just, she went to a Christian that she knows and told her, and that girl led her to Christ. The next day, you see, just, just the next day, she saw another dream. That same person who came to her in a dream told her, I want you to go and tell what, you, what I told you to the commander of Boko Haram. Can you imagine Going to, she, one, she's a woman. You know what the, how women are considered among the terrorist group, right? Two, she just became a believer just a few days ago. For some of us, it's like, really? That's that possible? Shouldn't I be going to Bible school to be able to share my faith? No, God wants you to tell your story. The story is written in your heart, in your mind. You don't have to go to theological college to, be a, uh, to share about the gospel. You just share what the Lord has done to you. So she went to her parents and said, I am going to, I'm going. Where are you going? I'm going to this, this area to share this the, to the commander. Isa al-Masi you know, told me this. And her family looked at her. Are you serious? You, you know that you're going to your grave. She looked at them. Don't you know that I was already going to be dead? If I die, I would rather die for Jesus because I was trained to be a suicide bomber already. That, uh, that, that includes dying, self-sacrifice. I would rather die for Jesus. I'm going. She went. When she got to the place, there were three security that she needed to pass to, before she got to him. First, they said, where are you going? Where, who are you? Where are you going? Uh, you know, where are you come, coming from? She told them, I'm this, 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 and I'm going to... See the com- I want to see the commander. And they look, look at each other like, you want to see the commander? Yes, I do. They let her go. The second, security, the same. The, the third checkpoint, the same. So she went. They, were, they told this, kid, this girl is crazy and she's going to die. They knew, everybody knows. No, she got to the commander. When she got there, he asked her the same question. Who are you? Why you are here? And she, said, she told him, I am her name. I won't tell her her name just for security reason. And, but I'm coming to you because I have been sent by Isa al-Masi and she shared him everything that the Lord wanted her to share. The guy 
stood, sat in a chair and started weeping. weeping. What she didn't know, three days earlier, that same Jesus who was revealed to her in a dream, revealed to him and told him that a woman is going to come to tell you about me, listen to her. She has no idea about that. Is that a human orchestration? That's a divine orchestration. That hard-headed, bloodthirsty, bad guy was broken by the message of the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. He accepted Jesus as his personal Savior. And know, know what? I will make the story shorter. As a result of that, today, over 6,000 people came to know the Lord, and most of them are former terrorist group. Can you believe it? What is impossible for man is possible for our God. Stand firm. Learn how to wait. The Israelites were told, stand firm. Be still. Being still and standing firm require waiting. We are not good at waiting. We want things to be fast. We live in a fast culture. It has to happen now. God, why don't you do it now? Now, I'm sure they did that. I'm sure they say that because the, the, the enemy is coming. They are encircling them. They are getting closer. When are you going to intervene? I'm going to be dead. I'm going to be in my grave. When, when? But God is saying, be still. Moses stated, be still. Don't panic. There is no panic in heaven. Don't panic. And the Lord said, Moses, let's start. Let's get started. Where is your staff? You remember what that staff did, right? Where is your staff? Bring your, the, the staff. Stretch out. I am going to open the Red Sea, and you're going to walk on dry land. You're not even going to be, you're not going to touch even mud. That's supernatural. You're not going to touch mud. There you're going to walk on dry ground. See, because we read it so many times, it, is, it becomes just nothing for us, right? But let me tell you, this is supernatural intervention. It is supernatural intervention and that's how much God is committed to his promise. He promised, I will take you to the promised land. I'm going to give you the land of Canaan and you are going to inherit the promised land. And that same God promised you that you're going to inherit the kingdom of heaven through the love, the, the, through Jesus Christ who have shed his blood on the cross who loved you enough to crush and defeat Satan and to actually completely defeat death himself, that the last thing you're afraid is death. Death himself has been overcome by Jesus. So what are you afraid? What's the last thing that would happen to you? You know, Satan is a defeated enemy whose head is already crushed. That's right. 
Isn't that what happened? Are you with me? He's, he's a defeated enemy whose head was crushed by the King of Kings, by the Lord of Lords. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. But Satan, his, his tactic is he keeps you busy. He keeps me busy. He, keeps, he gives you agenda, like literally minor agenda. Agenda that doesn't make significant change in the life of people. You keep busy from morning to evening. So, you know, in the moment of being busy, he will bring emergencies. The emergency that will lead to panic. When you panic, you forget about Whose you are, who would fight for you, who you belong to. You forget your identity. You start like fighting just like anybody else. No. You have been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus. There is nothing he wouldn't do for you that he hasn't done yet. The last thing he's done, the most expensive thing God did for you is giving his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross and shed his blood so that he can purchase you. You are precious. You are loved. You are not ordinary person. The world may say you are ordinary. No, you are so precious. Jesus had to shed his blood and give his life. Amen. How can I walk like ordinary person after that? If a former mafia can be transformed as an evangelist, how can I live as an ordinary person. I just can't. And God finally just nailed it and he said, the reason you shouldn't be afraid is because the Lord fight for you. Amen. I remember Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, when he, the king of Judah and, and Jerusalem, when he was told that an army is coming and they are as many, like almost like the sand of the sea. That's a, a good way of saying that. Too many. You cannot even think of overcoming. He's, he was afraid. The Bible says he was afraid. But his fear did not drive him away from God. His fear, his fear drove him to his knees. It's in your knees that you wait. It's in your knee that you can be still. And it is in the Word of God that you study, that you get that power, that willingness to stay and abide in the King of Kings who loves you. You know one advice I, I want to give you? The last, the first thing when you wake up and the last thing when you go to bed, one thing you should do is saturate your mind with the Word of God. What is the last thing you watch before you go to bed, you drift off to bed? Is that the Word of God? What is the first thing you see when you wake up? Make it your habit that the last thing before you go to bed you see is the Word of God. And the first thing you see when you wake up is the Word of God. That will set the 
the tone for your day and your night. Three keys for victory. I just, it's a summary of three keys to victories. Before that, I just want to say, it's not how much you know that matters. It is how much you apply to your daily life. You tr if too much information train our mind, but too much application transform our heart. And Jesus said, abide in me. When you abide in me, my life flows through your veins. And that kind of Christian, Satan, he may fight, but Satan will not overcome. The first thing I want to say is, do not fear. <laughs> it's the same thing. Do not fear. There are so many things that make us afraid. Please do not fear. Because, as I said, fear and faith does not coexist in the same heart. The more word of God, saturate your mind or heart with the word of God and do not fear. It doesn't mean that there is nothing that, that, you, that you need to be afraid of. There are so many things. But choose to trust the Lord. Second is stand firm. Learn the art of waiting on God. The art of waiting on God is done on our knees. Waiting on God. Like war cannot be trained, cannot be won in just in classroom that's like theory. Prayer, you learn how to pray by praying. By praying. It's a powerful weapon the Lord has given us that cannot be limited by geography. You can be sitting and kneeling here and still destroying the work of the enemy in Pakistan, in India, in Ethiopia. And understand that Nothing is impossible to our God. Amen. Nothing. In the midst of COVID, where everything was locked down, where everybody think things are not possible, that's where we saw the greatest fruits of all time in our ministry. During COVID global lockdown, when everybody was locked in their home and all what they, need to, what they could do was just turn on their TV or surf the web, it was during COVID that we saw the greatest fruit in so many years. COVID did not stop God working. It's our heart, our will that limits God. Israel, when they trust the Lord, the next chapter when you see they got up, start worshiping the Lord. Under the leadership of Mary, they start worshiping the Lord. This year alone, over 172 million people heard the gospel. 
We have, we, I told you, we are going after the last, the least, and the hardest. And we have, we have this is, I'm talking about just Africa, where, where me and my team are, are, are working. And over, over two million people came to know the Lord. That's not a small number. That's not just a number, that's people. And in all this, you have a part. The reason why I'm still in mission with six kids is because you stood with me every day. And you know how life is, right, these days? No? I, I don't live in Ethiopia anymore. I live in Florida. But your faithful, faithful partnership have made it possible for me to focus on, on my mission. God does not need me necessarily, but he chose to use me. So I'm not standing here with pride. I'm standing here with awe that the king of kings can choose a person like me to be a part of his work. It's a great privilege. It's with fear and trembling that we do that every day. So let me ask you. Ask yourself, what part of my life I need to stand my ground? What, what part of my life is I'm being, like, I'm, I'm compromising, trying to appease, or trying to, you know, appeasement, trying to accommodate, and I'm compromising the truth of the gospel? Please don't. No matter what, don't compromise on the truth of the gospel. So many watering down taking place these days. If you die, die for that truth. Jesus died for it. Thank you very much.